Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Danny Coffey. In this episode, we'll be discussing criminality, drug addiction, drug habits and rehabilitation, all of which have been a part of my own lived experience. For 10 years, I spent habitually using drugs, all types of drugs. During those 10 years, I accumulated a number of convictions, including one for an intent to supply, for which I spent a brief period in Cassidy Prison. I just want to point out at this stage, though, that I am a 46-year-old grandfather. This happened 20 years ago, and and I haven't done drugs in around that length of time as well. However, to discuss all of this, our guest is the Community Education and Disability Officer, Social Enterprise Regeneration Program Coordinator at Galway Rural Development. He is also the director and founder of the Sphere Newer Project, which helps ex-offenders disentangle themselves from the circumstances of their own convictions. However, most importantly, he's an ex-offender himself. Damien Quinn, much appreciated for coming on the podcast to give our perspective of this, the drugs and the prison system and rehabilitation. Yeah, and, th- and thanks thanks for bringing me on. I suppose... Um one of the things really that I um, I'd be really interested in is kind of you know the bit after all of that you know kind of the bit where you kind of you, you you made the decision to change and you know the difficulties of trying to do that uh, yeah. uh, currently with all of the barriers that are be out there so well I, I suppose like for both of us like we were discussing this in the phone there yesterday for both of us our drug days were in our late teens, early twenties, and we would have got trouble with uh, with the guards and and all of that at that time. But for you, can you just give us a bit, you know, give us a bit of your own story there, just to, you know, just yeah. To, well, I suppose, yeah, okay. Well, like I suppose, growing up, um, growing up, I was kind of straight enough, but up until the age of about fifteen, when I found myself kind of. Uh, living alone with my younger brother and kind of being the sole care in the house and i seen the guys in the estates and you know with the the cars and the money and yeah. all that kind of stuff and I, and I kind of got attracted to that and found myself knee deep in that type of a life to be honest and um, completely normal a completely normal way of life where i was coming from and everybody around me were kind of doing that type of thing so it was it was something it was something that um I aspire to be. Unfortunately, I aspire to be like them people, and um, and uh, you know, like we had lots of. Uh, uh, to be straight, we had lots of good times as well. Like you know, yeah. uh, there is a lot of good times associated with that lifestyle. But the reality is, you know, when it all kind of comes to a head, you know, and and uh, that lifestyle starts determining outcomes for your life. You know, that's 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 when it becomes a miserable existence. You know, people looking for overdoses. You know, yeah, crime, Gardy in your case, all that kind of stuff. That that whole side of uh, the, the glamorous lifestyle is is far from glamorous, and it can be quite a miserable existence. You know, and you can find yourself in some very dark and lonely places as a result. So, um, yeah, yeah. So look, I suppose I wouldn't be. Like we see it on tellies and 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 rappers and all this stuff, the good life and all this yeah, kind of yeah. shite out of them. But but like ultimately, it's not. It's not. It's uh, you're watching your back. You're watching who you're hanging around with. You're you know, you're you're being secretive. You, you know, it's it's, it's you yeah. have to hide things from people that you care about. That type of stuff. And 
there's nothing there's nothing nice about it at all really the more I think about it well it develops it starts off as for me it started off as basically parties and good times like you know it would have been I suppose 17 18 or whatever it was and it's parties good times in the crack and then when it develops onto that like and habitually why I used why I used the word habitual is because from about that age, from 17 onwards, I would have been using drugs every day or alcohol mm. or something every day. Like there was not a day yeah. that I wasn't doing something. And that all takes money. It all takes and everything my whole life up until I would, I would say uh, 27, 28 um, would have been focused in around that. And it starts off with parties and, and the crack and everything's all good. But as that develops and you, your life becomes consumed by it, all of this stuff that you're talking about, it's just a living hell, really. It's, yeah. You go down this fucking road of ducking and diving and scheming and skiving, and you do some pretty shitty things to people that you actually care about. Uh, one of the things for me, um, I had a daughter. My daughter now is uh, 24, I, 25. I have um, two grandkids, but I missed out in seven years of her. I couldn't be around her. You know, I just couldn't be. Yeah. I, I would have been too. Uh, I would have been bad for to be around around her when she was a younger child. So from the age of about um, three to 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 two. 10, 11 or that, like I would have started making contact with her when she she, she was about ten. But, you know, it, it is, it's a disaster. It is, uh, and as you were saying, it develops and you're just, it's just that life um, where, yeah. and the guards are on your back. Uh, you, yeah, you're constantly, you owe money and people owe you money and it's just fucking hell. Um, it spirals yeah. into that. For you, to get get yourself out of that, how, how did you... Um, pull yourself out, out, out of the life that life yeah well i suppose look look what happened in my journey was i got caught i got caught i was selling stuff to somebody uh this fellow was uh this fellow had one of my customers he set me up really yeah yeah and uh, i got i got caught i got caught bangs rights and took it firmly on the chin do you know what i mean but like i suppose i when that happened then and the people that knew me didn't want to know me anymore kind of thing and um family all that stuff they just Really, really disappointed, didn't want me around kind of thing. Deep addiction, alcoholism, you know, knowing full well I was going to jail. Uh, going to jail. Yeah. But then something went off in my head then, do you know what, I'll get in there now and I'll get away from it all. And it'll be a break from the chaos that <laughs> followed getting caught, you know. So I went in, I, I rationalized in my head that I'd be able to tap into some educational opportunities in prison some training programs, you know, opportunities to kind of plan for a better future and stuff like that. And literally, I spent the three years I done um, and stuck in books and school and, and, and trying to uh, make myself employable and job ready for when I got out then. And I remember the day I was getting out then, uh, I was beaming, like I was feeling really, really positive about uh, getting out the gate. I said, my punishment is over. You know, I can I can now start again. But I'm telling you now that that was when the the punishment began, because despite the fact that I had served my sentence, I I had to start serving another one in the in the community. 
you know, I had to yeah. flag everybody anytime I went for a house, a job, a school, volunteering. I had to flag them about this bit of information from my past that I can't change. You know what I mean? And that prevented me then from securing opportunities and stuff like that. And I just ended up going backwards. Like I said, like all of the positivity and all that stuff that I'd built inside, you know, all of the plans that I had made, everything that I was good about everything that I took from the sentence, good to kind of set myself up and not be the person I used to be. Yeah. All fell to shit. All fell to shit because there's all these barriers uh, when guard vetting applies, and if you have a bad background, you won't get on because of it. So I went backwards, and I ended up back back caught up in it all again, and really quickly and really fast, and didn't want to be there at all, and people looking for me again, all that kind of shit, and uh, I had to get going. I had to get going out of the country. I left the country for a little while, and then came back uh, really, really badly messed up from all of the drugs and that, and. I had to go in and do a bit of uh, re- recovery, let's say, uh, from yeah. uh, drug-induced psychosis. So that took a little while to get over as well. And then, do you know what? I just gave up trying to get work and trying to get to put myself in these situations where vetting was a requirement in that. And I took up walking and fitness and that type of thing. And yeah. So that was kind of how... That was kind of the beginning. I was back home. I was accountable to the people I pissed off in the past. You know, I didn't want to let them down again. And that was kind of the start then. After that, then it was education. I got it. I got onto a a third level course and I was able to use that time then to fill my day and, and, uh, you know, uh, try and make myself a bit more employable and stuff. And then shortly after starting with that, then I got a job. First job, I was in a distribution company through a friend where Garda Vetting didn't apply and yeah. really it was onwards and upwards from there then. So, so but like it, trying to get that opportunity, like there was this period there for two years after getting out of prison, fresh out of prison, nothing but negative showing up about your background and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's counterproductive really is what it is because like ultimately, like I do say it all the time, what's the point in prison when the, when the secondary punishment in the community is far worse, you know? Yeah. Prison was definitely the easy part for me, but it was trying to rebuild my life after prison, which was the hard part, you know. So, so just I think what, it's such a problem area. Just what you were saying there about the fitness side of it as well, getting back mm. to the uh, going out walking and all that. Because like, when I stopped smoking hash or stopped doing any drugs, I actually went to um, – because I would have boxed when I was younger. I went to Letterkenny Boxing Club. I was living up in Letterkenny at the time. And so shout mm. out to Rory McShane and all of those for um, getting me fit and all of that. But yeah. I went to the, the, the boxing club there and we, I just, I, just I, I got all of the badness out of, you know, that, and I put on weight, mm. you know, and became healthy again. For me, yeah. that, that was the first step. And it's just hearing you say that as well, going out, fitness this fitness side of it and getting your body right after it as well like that's that was the first step for me education was yeah, the next but, thing i went on and done the the well i done a uh, level five uh, print journalism course and then i went and done the heritage and cultural studies in the gmit i done a, a bachelor's degree there so uh, there's such a similarity there just when you mentioned that the uh, similarity between 
you know, the fitness side of it, getting your body right and then just getting into the education and getting your getting your um, your, your your mind right then, I suppose. Yeah, well, I suppose one of the big things for me was like when I got out of that uh, psychosis period, let's say, they gave me a load of medication and I was fucked in a room then kind of uh, taking medication. You know, uh, my brother swears to me that I was asleep for three days. I don't know whether it's true or not, even to this day, but when he told me that I was in bed for three days, I just got rid of the medication and I started getting out, going walking and stuff. And like, there's a whole new area around social prescribing now yeah. where like it, the, the prescription is to get out of your house and go for a walk, go into the woods, go wherever. Just get out for an hour. Like, and to be honest with you, it's far better than uh, sending somebody off into a room with a bag of medication. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, the, the results are speaking for themselves. You know, people are kind of getting more positive about their life and all that kind of stuff just based on going for long walks. And and to be honest, yeah. it was completely, it was instrumental for me, kind of, you know, escaping the need and uh, for medication or anything that would alter my moods, you know. So, but um, the education piece was, was brilliant. Then, like, I suppose I found Equal Ireland and Equal Ireland. Um, I was looking at community. I was looking at it from a business studies point of view because that's the type of stuff I was doing in prison. Yeah. And then shortly after, shortly after starting with them, there's this whole community development side to it. And straight away then, like, you know, that whole desire to give back, make amends, all that kind of stuff tied into that. And uh, I fell in love with community development. And I was just... Uh, I was really, really interested in kind of getting a, getting a job in the sector, you know. But um, I couldn't get a job in the sector for a long time. Actually, I went through level six, seven, and eight. And uh, I was a manager then in the distribution company, let's say. Yeah. And I was after doing my uh, uh, honours degree in business, social enterprise, leadership and management. And I said, you know, I'll have a good chance now. But eight, nine or ten years later, it was the same old story. You know, the convictions kept playing a part in, in, in any job interview I went for. And I just getting really, really fucked off with it, to be honest. And um, what happened then was I went to an open day for a master's degree and I heard about Siobhan Cafferty, who wrote a paper on integrating violent ex-offenders into the workforce. Yeah. It was called A New Way Forward. And uh, when I heard that, then obviously, you know, I said, you know what, I need to do this course and I need to meet her. And uh, I have, I've been, like I've been linked in with her quite a lot. And she planted a seed around certificates of employability in my head. Yeah. And that made perfect sense because, you know, it was an additional communication that went alongside a, a disclosure. And, uh, you know, it gave an up-to-date and balanced view. But what happened was, like, I used that then as part of my dissertation for the master's, but I changed a certificate of employability to a certificate of commitment to change. So that could be used in all of the areas I'm talking about, you know, going for a house, going for insurance, going to volunteer, going to leave the country, uh, going to school education, any of that stuff, uh, that you could use this universally applied certificate of, commission, uh, uh, certificate of commitment to change, and which gives an up-to-date balance view of where you're at today and what you've been doing with your time, since your time, if you get me. Yeah. And... Uh, so a lot of the people that took part in it, like, were from the criminal justice sector. I interviewed a number of people from the from the criminal justice sector, and they could all see merit in what I was saying. So when the, when it was done and I passed and I got my master's and all that stuff, I couldn't shake the idea. So um, at the Ideas Academy then, 
in Social Entrepreneurs Ireland opened up in 2021. And I pitched that idea to them and uh, they got the idea of Tim Griffiths. He's the new CEO. Yeah. But my application was, my application was the first one he read and they could totally get, they totally got it straight away. And they invited me onto the, uh, the ideas Academy with it. And, um, they, uh, we went through a, a number of kind of online sessions and stuff and, um, they awarded a seed fund and, and I developed the website then and, and 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 a few other bits and pieces off the back of what they funded mm. and um, then they asked me to come back onto the action lab and uh, just kind of bring it on a bit more and alongside that then we made an application to kickstart for a feasibility study kickstart is a job creation fund for purely for social enterprises that are looking to uh, hire ex-offenders so there's a job creation fund uh, uh, pot and there's also a feasibility study pot. So we applied for the feasibility study and that's just starting now. So um, what we'd like to see then is Spira Nua uh, um, it'd be uh, the new communication model for a disclosure, you know, a current and up-to-date balance view rather than a historical negative and binary view. So yeah. that's where we're at now today. And... Just, just to bring you back there as well, you were on about mm -hmm. psychosis as well. Did you, apart from the drugs that you were got, and I just, this was just stuck in my head when you said it. Apart from the drugs yeah. that you get, did you get any other type of any counselling or anything like that? Drug counselling? I didn't really. No, no, no. I didn't do any of that. Um, I suppose. Do you know what I did? I put. I, my friends, the good friends that were caught up in that life, you know, they just didn't do stuff like that around me anymore. They did yeah. it on their own time and away from it. I respect them enough to do what they want to do, and they respected me enough to do what I wanted to do. You know, um, like counseling wasn't really a thing, but you know what? What really kind of helped was helping others. You know, do what they want to do to move on and get on. Yeah. That was kind of that was that was that was a piece of really really work so like this peer mentoring you know so other people that have come out through the system peer and newer is a piece of, there's a piece of that there and that's like you're you're yeah, a good yeah. pair of ears you, you know people can bounce ideas off you they can you know look to you for support and what they're doing you know and that's what and that's the recovery in that you know helping other people obviously helps me you know because uh, yeah. i like to i like to help people to get on you know so um that's that's why I do what I do now. You know, would you find that when somebody comes comes out of jail and goes to talk to you, that it would be much easier to? Well, I I would presume it would be much easier to talk to you than say, uh, you know, like a probation officer or somebody yeah. like like that. Um, you know that I say that all the time. I say that all the time. So there was a probation officer that was working really closely with me before I got caught. Yeah. Uh, with, with 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 what I got caught with, and um, like I suppose I always saw him as one of the guards, or you know, and yeah. a, a part of the guardy and somebody that I couldn't be fully honest with. Um, and today, now I know that's not true. You know, I I know today he was somebody that I should have been uh, fully honest with uh, about my own circumstances, not about anybody else's, about my own what I was doing. Yeah. To myself, you know what I mean. I, I should have been honest with him about that because 
they are genuinely there to help people that want the help. Do you know what I mean? And 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 support them to kind of move out of a life of crime. And um, there's really interesting theory around that is called role clarification. So basically, like some some probation officers out there just presume that us as individuals being clients and uh, know exactly what their roles are. But that's not the case. Like when I go back to what I was saying, um, I didn't know. I thought he was part of the girls. He certainly yeah. wasn't. He's actually a, re- a really, really nice man. And when I got caught that time, you could see how hurt he was that I wasn't being honest with him. Do you know what I mean? And there was a, a lot of learning in that for me. So like to anybody that really is kind of on probation now or engaged in probation, I, I, I would genuinely encourage you to kind of, Say it as it is, and, and and be honest, and 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 try and try and get out of whatever life you're living with their full support because they will give it to you one hundred percent. Yeah, I suppose just thinking there, um, there's a I, when I was younger, like in my teens, there was a junior liaison scheme, uh, that was done by mm. a guard, like uh, the guard used to call out to the house, and um, mm. but the, the but again, you'd be spinning a yarn to them, like you know, uh, yeah. Um, but do you find that it's mostly younger? It's, it's a lot of younger offenders you're you're helping out now, or the majority. There's a, there's a good there's a good mix, really. Um, there's like I suppose I'm kind of looking at it from my own point of view. Like I'm years and years out of prison, yeah. and like my vetting my vetting still prevents me from um, from at times it comes up and it's embarrassing. And you know I closed that chapter a long time ago, but I have to open it in certain situations again years and years on when it's no longer relevant to who i am or what i am but um there's people from any like going and finding themselves in trouble uh, just kind of before they even come to the courts i'd really like a a lot more of them to like i'm i am i'm meeting a couple of people that i have never been before the courts but are on a similar track to what i was on yeah around diverge stuff like that but uh, obviously people getting out there and then people then that are long term out like anybody but the really interesting development is a lot of people are family members of the individual that are contacting me now and uh, right. i never really ex- i never really envisaged that happening i always thought it would be the individual but it's actually uh, family members that are concerned and stuff that are even carers and stuff of uh, of of foster uh, foster children let's say and that type of thing yeah they're actually getting in touch for advice and that type of stuff which is which wasn't expected but i'm i am supporting them as well and uh, it's 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 a, it's a nice development and and you know what it's nice to see uh, concerned adults as well and concerned family members you know trying to be there for for for, for the people uh, that are going through these um you know, criminal behavior and that. It's it's good to know that there is a support system around them because there wasn't really a support system around us when we were doing what we were doing. You know, so yeah. um, it's good. To, it's good to see that's there for people. Um, who would you say though? From my own experience, I, I I would say that until I wanted to kind of leave all of that behind me and stop um, mm. stop taking any type of drugs or stop. You know, just I've had enough of this. I can't do it anymore. Until I said that to myself and made a, a commitment to me that I wanted to, yeah. to do it, it didn't really matter what anybody else said. 
it was it i yeah. had to i had to make that that conscious decision myself to say look i, I i'm going to go down to this boxing club i'm going to get fit i'm going to eat properly i'm i'm not going to do i'm not going to drink i'm not going to do any any drugs i'm going to you know get myself right and uh and it's a gradual process as well to you know you can't it's not like fucking um three months down the line yeah you might be physically fit or whatever like but uh you know to to get to get yourself away from the oh it's saturday night like uh, i you know there's some you know there's some club or something or some festival on or something like you know to get your head away from uh thinking about that um it, it it is up to the individual though that they they have to kind of go right i ha- i have to do this uh yeah the, the family support around One. them though is is important like you know but it is up to the the individual that's the, the way i would see it and that's that i made the conscious yeah, decision yeah. i'm 100 percent in agreement with you there like, and, like nobody could fix me until i decided i wanted to fix myself do you know what i mean and um, nobody can do it for anybody that individual has to do a bit they have to do it for themselves you know and and and, and that's which has to go up in their head uh, like i remember saying to myself you, you know there has to be more more to life than this, you know, this horrible uh, existence I was living. Many times I had that argument with myself, why do you keep doing this to yourself and putting yourself in these situations? You know, there, there has to be more to life than this. And uh, when when I decided I was going to find out exactly what to what, you know, find more to life when I made that decision, uh, that's when things started to improve. No, it doesn't happen overnight. It definitely doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in a year or two years, but you take a few, you take a few right steps and follow them with a few small ones more. And I guarantee you, your circumstances will start to improve. Your life will start to improve. And, and, and you know, it's almost an upwards from there, really. Like, you know, and when people see you uh, making them a few steps to make change, they'll, they'll row in behind you as well. Like, you know, there is good people out there that will, will, will row in behind you and support you and encourage you and drive you on like you know and and uh there's nothing more beautiful for me anyways to see somebody kind of you know correct their ways and 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 build really really good life for themselves because everybody around them wins as well because you know this individual has changed it, it impacts not only on the on the individual but on their family their children you know their community everybody everybody benefits from somebody not being not being caught not being a, a dickhead anymore do you know what i mean and uh, like even in my own circle, like uh, everybody is safe in the knowledge that they know that I'm no longer that individual that was bringing guards around the house and all that kind of stuff. I'm out there and I'm doing something with my life, and that's all they ever wanted from me. Do you know what I mean? So, so, and that's all I, I that's all I want for anybody is to be able to get on and move on and get the most out of life because life is far far nicer now than it ever was. When it was curtain twitching in house parties or looking yeah. bullets and all that kind of stuff, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I go, I go out today. I look up at the sky. I see there's a beautiful sun out there today. Lovely blue skies. Life is good. There's food in the in the presses. Roof over the head. Job, and I'm out there supporting people to move on. Do you know, that's there for anybody that wants to pursue it. Do you know, people yeah. can do absolutely anything they want to. Do you know, it's just uh, and I. It's just, and that's what we are here to do. We're here to help anybody 
uh, pursue their own goals and uh, and without any barriers popping up, do you know? And do you know the whole illegality of of drugs? Mm. That's a barrier in itself to people looking for help. If you have um, a drug habit or addiction or habitual drug user, it's a lot harder to look for help. Like it spirals in from one thing to another. First of all, you want to be out of your bin, but to do that, mm. you have to sell drugs, you know, to look after that habit and to yeah. have that lifestyle, you know, you, you're caught up in it, but the legality of drugs, should we be looking at legalizing them or decriminalizing them or, or something along those lines? i put it to you this way. I went to prison for cannabis and, and fighting. The Nate Diaz's and the Tyson's of the world, yeah. they're making very lucrative careers out of, legally, out of selling weed and, and, and fighting. But like, look, it's, it's, it's illegal here. It, it is illegal here. And it, and it can have long-term effects on you as well, because like, I've experienced the long-term effects, which led to psychosis, as I was saying. But yeah. my honest opinion is like... Um, cannabis and that type of thing, they should definitely look at legalizing it and that all taxes uh, would be pumped into education and into health explicitly, you know, and obviously then like say if, say if it is legalized that it's managed accordingly as well, you know, uh, and not abused and that type of thing. But look, I suppose as a country, I suppose we are we are trying to be well. There's certain parts of it becoming a bit more progressive, but when you look at the other countries in the world where uh, the the sale of cannabis, the taxes uh, attached to that are, are paying for third level education, yeah, so we have a bit to go, don't we? So so. And uh, just my own honest opinion is though that they should they should explore it, and any tax that's generated on the back of it, education. Uh, family and health that's where it should go absolutely just on the education um did you find like within that circle or that or but definitely within in cassery prison that education mm -hmm. was very limited within uh, you know that you wouldn't get too many people there with with degrees or that like there, there was uh, like i left school myself after i i had a junior cert and that was it like um mm -hmm. Uh, it, yeah. all of that had to be built after after the after the fact um yeah well, but i suppose for myself i was out of school before the junior cert i didn't even get the junior cert right. um but like in 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 prison yeah there is literacy issues and you know all that kind of thing and i suppose the last study i read now i don't know has it changed much but there's a 42 percent educational capacity across the entire prison estate which means that over half the prison population don't get access to education if it's full. Do you know what I mean? So, but like, I suppose what happened since our time now is there's integrated sentence management programs right. where you meet with an ISM officer and they will tell you what you can do with your time while you're sentenced, you know, yeah. they'll tell you what counseling services, you know, healthcare services and education programs and, employment programs, all that stuff. They'll tell you what's there and you develop a plan then on how you're going to use your time. And uh, 
for those that see it through then that end up on the enhanced regimes that are of good behavior, you know, and all that kind of thing. Yeah. That should then follow them out the gate, you know, and and they should have got a bit, should get a bit of credit for, you know, trying to uh, address the behavior that they address their bad behavior, you know, and trying to make themselves better and employable and that type of, they should get a bit of, they should get recognized a bit, you know, rather than just all fresh out of prison. Oh, he went to prison five years ago for drugs or whatever. Five years have passed, like, and then five years, they've been quite productive inside, you know, they're doing all the right things. They've, they've, they've made necessary changes to who they are and where, what they were. Yeah. And, you know, and they want to start again. So why are we not, why are we not trying to capture that rather than just throwing up all barriers because they did all this stuff five or six years ago? That's never going to change. What they did will never change and they will never be able to take it back. And many people are, are really, really remorseful about why they ended up in them places. I certainly am ashamed of my past. You know what I mean? I, I'm ashamed that I found myself there, but I'm fucking proud of the work I put in to get to where I am today. Do you know what I mean? And uh, overcome what I, the challenges I was living, you know, and, yeah. and there are people in there that are the exact same, you know, uh, they, they, they just want to start again and start in a productive way. And we should, as a society, we should be encouraging that rather than spending 84,000 or 80,000 a year to keep them locked up and do nothing with them. Who wins there? Nobody. There's no winner all. there. Like, yeah. yeah. But, and, Sphere Nua, mm. at at the moment, where he is at, it's how long is the the program up and running, and um, the traction for the for the program within the the the, the prison service, like, uh, and I suppose in the outside of it as well, is it it's gaining tra- it's gaining traction, and pe- people are are coming to you from the region anyway. Yeah, exactly. So basically, we are, we're up and running. We're up and running the last really, I suppose, six months. Oh, What's nice. happening is um, we are a project within amicetia.org. Or amicetia, uh, if you look up their website, amicetia.org, um, we are a project within that. Yeah. So amicetia is, is a sustainable development goals lab, really, is what it will be. And it's a fair share cooperative model in that. Everybody puts a little bit in and gets an awful lot out. So there's a number of projects being run by that. And Spiranua ties into that. So what we would like to see happen with Spiranua is year one, year two, year three, assist at least 80 people and then become standalone and knowledge hub for a national rollout with a peer mentoring program. And um, where AMICTF sits in is they've just, um, there's funding there to redevelop the space into a community kitchen, coffee shop and gardens and that type of stuff. So there'll be different training programs then for people uh, coming away from the criminal justice sector right, to yeah. avail of. And, 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 and an opportunity for them to have a bit in between, you know, being inside and being back in the community and working. So it's an AMI internship program. There's a number of different uh, elements to that. There'll obviously be the coffee shop, the barista training. There'll be uh, the Independent Living Ireland, a bit of training on that. It's yeah. Independent Living Ireland. It's a private business within AMICTIA that, that, that pays for the space of AMICTIA. Um, they, they, they provide assistive uh, uh, technologies for people to live at home rather than go into nursing homes and stuff like that. So... 
also with there's a, like a biodiversity project on the boil. We've just been gifted a parcel of land on that. So there'll be different types of training available there around horticulture and that type of stuff. So, you know, there'll be, and, and that's called the AMI internship program. So right. through AMI CTA, we, we made the application to uh, Kickstart, which is uh, funds that come from the Dormant Accounts Fund. And it's uh, administered by Pubble on behalf of the Department of Justice and Probation. So they funded the feasibility study of this and they want to take a deep look at it. And uh, we've hired somebody to do that and it's starting. So the website is up and running. There's a contact form there and there's a little bit about what we do and uh, why we do it. Yeah, And it's a place where people can contact us as well. So that's www.spirenua.org. And uh, people can uh, fill in the contact form there and I'll touch base with them. And Excellent. ultimately then we meet people then on a one-to-one basis and we kind of discuss the challenges, their experiences, and we formulate a plan, you know, yeah. uh, a plan and plan a way forward really is what we do. And uh, that's all voluntary stuff, do you know, and it's all free. Do you know, there's no there's no charge or anything like that. It's we're just there to help. And year two, then year three, I'd be looking to try and employ a few of the people that come through the program to do to do it in their own areas. Right. Yeah. And onwards and upwards from there. So that's the plan. Brilliant. And listen, Damien, it's been great. We'll probably ended up there anyways, and we'll put a link to Sphere Newer in the description. So Damien Quinn, founder and director of Sphere Newer Project, many thanks. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Well, that's it from us. The usual crew, Denise O'Toole on production, the beat by DJ Green. There's a link in the description. You can check him out there. And there's also a link in the description for the Spear New York project. If you have any previous convictions, you know somebody that's going to jail or you need the service, check it out. It's a vital service for people that are coming back into the community. It's a great service. It wasn't there when I was younger. Anyways, until next time, Toga Boogie, Slonga Foil, Chuck Airlaw.